0: It's like when you said, We're on. Oh my gosh. Hello everyone. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp, and you are not in today, today, today is Wednesday, September sixth, the year of our Lord, twenty twenty-three. And I didn't know we were on. And I was just about to make fun of myself for the fact that do you remember this moment when I said, I wish we had a parish truck? And Carrie and Chuck had to like you know we have a parish truck, right? <laughs> Now, in my defense, I'd only been here five years at that point. Did you know that? That that was not a joke. I had no idea we had a parish truck because I've always had my own truck. And now I don't have a truck. And Dad doesn't have a truck. And as near as we can figure, this is the first time in our life one of us at least doesn't have a truck. But usually both of us do. But anyway, all this to say that's what we were talking about before. You people so rudely interrupted with, oh, we need a show. Yeah. You know, uh, But anyway, I'm so glad you guys are here. And I don't know what's going on, but our audience is growing. So thank you. Um, You guys must be lying your heads off uh, to get more people to listen. Uh, Kiri's pointing over there. Oh, we got to acknowledge the Marius Cam. Just in guys, I'm going to show you one of his new tricks. Ready? Okay. Act like a rug. There you go. He did it. He's really amazing. Watch this one. Play dead. Yep. See? Uh, Stay. Look at him. He is just a master of discipline. Uh, For those of you who aren't watching, we have a little camera that just sits on my dog the whole show. And he primarily responds to everything as if he's in church. And he just sleeps. Like if I could get him a bulletin, I'd get him a bulletin. Uh, So he could read that before he naps. Do you remember the nap discussion we had? That we had a person who lived at our house who said the P and the word nap. It's like, it's no, it's just nap. And they're like, no, it's nap. Like, no, it's just nap. You close the P. Anyway. Don't pop the P. I need to take a nap. You need to what? We were not familiar with naps. I knew nothing of naps until I was ordained. My mom forbade them. You could be working. Right? She hated. Do you remember this, Dad? She hated when we were sitting still. Like, there (laughs) needed to be kinetic, frantic action uh, uh, for her to be happy. It was really hysterical. Huh? I almost converted Yeah, Dad tried. It it was not from a lack of trying. Dad almost converted her to naps. So anyway, a shout-out, of course, to our thugs. And to all of our foreign correspondents, Bren Van in Canada, uh, Patricia in Scotland, uh, Richard in the UK, and Sabine in uh, the Fatherland. Now, I just found out last night on Twitter, of which I am no longer exiled, that we have a correspondent in... Corey, Corey, what is... uh, Shoot, I forgot where you are. I want to say Oregon, but it could be... Seattle. Wait, it's Washington. I get all... Okay, shout it out. Props. K-O-R-I. I I remember the name, but I don't remember. Thank you, correspondent. So uh, today we're going to dive into episode six of our little... Uh, walk through uh, Japanese history, the Pacific War, all leading up to the. US decision to drop the atomic bomb, all in an effort to maybe get us to, a, of course, look at the dropping of the bomb in a moral light, uh, and also maybe to help us be a little more humble. And our approach to history. As I told you, what started all this was someone sending me a tweet of a young priest laughing at how he uh, made the old people love him. And then, you know, can't wait to tell them we should have never dropped that bomb. It's like, all right, Sparky. uh, It's just so easy to reduce it. Bomb bad. No bomb good. Uh, But if a five-year-old can do it, then you probably need to look a little deeper into the whole thing right a five-year-old can say if your choice is a bomb or a not bomb, which do you pick not bomb you get an A right uh, but it, we just need to look at things with a lot more humility and this includes me oh my gosh there's so much I don't know um so with this <clears throat> where we're at is we had just finished um wake uh, no 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 I'm gonna I need to focus Sorry. I just did a funeral it was an emotional funeral, and uh, oh, and and speaking of emotion, uh, if you would, I just got word uh, my godson and uh, nephew uh, Chewy, he uh, was taken to the hospital. He's going to have to. He just needs a lot of prayers right now. And if you could pray for his beloved and their little girl and their little one to come, that would mean the world to me. Uh, He is a faithful listener to the show. I have to pay him. Right. He's like, I don't want to listen to that crap. Look, five bucks, kid. Okay, Uh, That might not be exactly how it went. But uh, he lives in Texas. And uh, dad, I think we just saw him what a month ago. We got to spend a half a day with him and his beloved and their little angel. So if you could pray for my uh, godson slash nephew, uh, Chewie, uh, that'd be great. Okay. So when last we left the Japanese Empire, um, they kind of hit a dark space that after just freight training the Pacific... Um, they lost two battles, the Battle of the Coral Sea and they lost uh, Midway. And these were gargantuan losses. Why? Because they can't afford any losses. And the whole idea is secure a vast chunk of the Pacific, make a net that Americans can't punch through. And where their plan was smart was American equipment was old and uh, their weapons were not effective. What they just didn't count on was, again, particularly at Midway, we just kept coming. Um, and it's an unspeakable rage that the Americans are, are, are harnessing, um, as well as what you and I just count as everyday life, an unbelievable industriousness back home, which we'll actually get into a little more. And I ended our last one by pointing out, too, the Nazis started to get their clocks cleaned right around this time. Um, At this point, there is no human alive who knows info who saw a possibility of Japan winning the war now. And this includes Japan. Um, There is no way um, the U.S. can rebuild ships at at a rate... That is not only alarming to Japan, when Winston Churchill saw the numbers from uh, not Eisenhower, not Truman, FDR, he didn't believe them. Uh, He was like, no country can make this many things this fast. Uh, We could. And and yeah, those numbers we gave Churchill were low. It turns out they were low. Um, For those of you, like I'm from Flint. Flint. And we're here in Flint. And in fact, if you want to go to Dad, what's your credit union called now? It's not Financial Plus anymore. Do you remember? It just changed names. Yeah. It's still financial. Yeah. It's so yeah, it's funny. Dad has a credit union. It was West Side Auto Employees Federal Credit Union, and then it was Financial Plus Credit Union, and now it's like a bunch of letters. But the reason I point this out is that their office right near here, and less than two miles. Right? Security, uh, uh-huh. It's something. Yeah. Well, anyway, at the office here, if you look on the wall, it's all pictures of how the factory right over here, they were building tanks during World War II. And I don't know if you remember, the first day they opened that office, I was talking to a guy who was like, we live next to it. We watched the tanks roll off the production line. And this was happening in Detroit. This was happening in Flint. This was happening all over the country michigan was the arsenal of democracy uh between ford and chevy and whatever that third company was back then uh chrysler plymouth dodge i don't know did they build any of that stuff i know ford and chevy just rolled fighter planes yeah Yeah. fighter planes tanks well jeep the venerable jeep Willys uh, all this nobody 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 could conceive of how a country could do this Okay, so Japan not only can't keep up manufacturing wise, she can't build anything, really. And even to give you a sense of things, this is probably not super important, but you might find it interesting. Their airplanes, those little Mitsubishis, the Zeros, which were 10 times better than anything else in the air at the time. Here's the key. Japan could build those very slowly and transport them. Do you know how they transported them? ox they found if they put them on trains the train shook loose too many important things so they would literally use oxen to move these planes while they're being assembled from city to city which heads up it's not a super effective way to do stuff if you need to build them quickly um In the meantime, we're just churning out so many airplanes, we literally can't use them all. Uh, To also give you another thing, and this is bizarre, right? But I just talked to a guy about this about six months ago who worked for the U.S. Army. And we were talking about that the Army is supposedly switching from the 556 Uh, little bullet, right? The ones they use in AR-15s, called a NATO round or a 5.56 or a 0.223, even though there's a slight difference. Anyway, we're using bullets they made in World War II and for the Korean War. We're still using them. That is a fact. Uh, And the reason the Army hasn't switched to the 6.5 round, which is supposedly what they want to do, they still have a ton of 5.56 to go. Um think about how insane that is. So Japan can't produce anything like we can and they've got hundreds of thousands of troops bogged down in China. She was stretched all over the Pacific. <laughs> Occupying lands, fighting to take one she hasn't taken yet, and fighting to hold to the one she has taken. And and the key is this. Japan knows she can't win. Um, there's no one in Japanese leadership who thinks strategically we can win this war. The American strategy at this point is, well, we got to wait for the Japanese to surrender. Uh or take it back island by island, which they called island hopping. Okay? And, and that's what the Americans and the Aussies decided to do. Okay? This idea of island hopping. We're just going to take island after island until the Japanese surrender. And of course they're going to surrender. They can't win. They know they can't win. We know they can't win. They can't produce any new things. They've only got what they got. Um, so it seems pretty easy now. Except here's the thing. Remember that Dan Carlin quote I keep saying over and over because it's the best quote ever. The Japanese are like everybody else, only more so. And no American, no Australian, no one outside of Japan or China was prepared for the devastation and the horror of and the violence that the Japanese were ready to inflict. Um, Japan knew it wasn't winnable, the population didn't. And so let's take this apart now. If Japan knew she couldn't win, why not surrender, right? Why not sue for peace? Well, just like the motivation for Pearl Harbor the Japanese are not fighting for a total victory or a surrender from the Americans. They never thought the Americans had surrender. They were fighting for an agreement. I remember, all of this goes back to this. The Japanese were chewing up China and inflicting casualties and grotesqueries at a rate that the world just couldn't handle. And so the the key was this. Okay, Japan, you need to get out of China. Yeah, we will. We'll get out. Don't worry. Uh, Japan, remember you said you'd get out of China. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. To Finally gets to the point where Japan gets an ultimatum. You're leaving China by this point, And that's when Japan struck. Right? And all this. Well, you go back to that. And this is, and I hate how I sound because it sounds like I'm defending it. Their point is simple. We just want to be left alone. You started this crap by boy embargoing us when when you take countries all the time. Why can't we? Right? This is what it comes back to. So the Japanese, when they attacked Pearl Harbor, there was no thought that at some point the Americans, oh, we surrender or you win. What they wanted was Americans to go, can we be done fighting? And they could say, we get these islands... You can have the rest. This is what they believe is going to happen still. Now, as they realized that strategically, now they probably can't win anything of note, their aim shifts. Okay, and it's exactly what the Germans did when they invaded Belgium in World War One. Remember this? we have to make the idea of warfare with us so horrific that everybody gets out. Yeah. Um, If we can make taking islands so expensive that America, Americans will say, all right, let's sue for peace. Um, That way Japan can save face. And stay resource independent. Remember, Japan. I know I keep saying this. I just need it in your heads. Japan doesn't have any resources to speak of, naturally. they got to take what they want or trade for what they want. They find taking what they want a lot cheaper than trading for what they want. Japan needs to save face and she needs to be resource independent. And this whole saving-facing is not just a ego thing. Remember, this is government by assassination. The moment your superior gives you an order you don't like, kill them. Right? They killed prime ministers. Uh, this is a government that's run by assassination. There's nobody who's going to say, you know what, we can't win this. Let's call it. Let's sue for peace and see what we can get. Because the moment that guy says that, he's going to be killed. Japan had unintentionally created a monster she couldn't control in her army. How are we doing? Good. Yeah? All right. Okay. So are people keeping up? Any questions? All right. So what did the people of Japan know? If they didn't know, we already lost. What did they know? Now, this took me a bit. And I, I'm right. I, w- I want to be clear. <laughs> it's like what I'm going to tell you is correct information. Some of it, and I'll tell you when I'm oversimplifying a little. Okay. So, what did your average Japanese citizen know at this point? What they knew is that Japan was a noble country fighting to save all the Asians from white colonizers. Okay. This was in every textbook, every newspaper. Every broadcast. This is not, you know. They didn't under uh, the average Japanese person did. Oh, we're trying to take China so we can get stuff. No, no, no. We're saving China from those darn British. We're saving them from the white colonizers over and over. Any Japanese human you talk to at this point is going to tell you this is our war to save yellow people from white people. And it quite literally is written that way. I think that might be sound racist to say now. So forgive me if it does. I'm saying what they said. Right. This is a war to Japan will lead and run Asia now right? Somebody's gonna. It can't be the Brits. It can't be the uh, Americans. It can't even be the Deutsch or the Russians. It's got to be us. We are better than them. So we're going to rescue China from itself and from the white colonizers. This was a huge, huge piece of the puzzle. What else did the average Japanese citizen know? And now again, I'm speaking on this one very generally. We are fighting to save the world from communism, okay? Why did we invade China? Well, to protect the Chinese from themselves, right? They're like children, and we have to protect them. We have to protect them from the white man, from the colonizers, and we have to protect them from the communists. This is where you get, you may remember that phenomenon where China's greatest military leader at the time, Chiang Kai-shek, Sometimes Japan and him sided together against the other Chinese because Chiang Kai-shek, like the Japanese, understood communism at core is evil. It's not just a system that doesn't work. It's a system that by its nature kills all under the guise of taking care of the poor. Right, Dad and I just watched a thing yesterday called Bodyguards and Assassins, and it's an astounding true story of... um, uh in uh, I always do this, Hong Kong, um, before the Japanese got there about 20 years before, well, what they were recognizing as the monarchy needed to fall. right? And there were some thinkers that were emerging and trying to unite all these disparate Chinese uh, factions. And what were they united on? We need to get rid of the monarchy. What weren't they united on? What should replace it? Yeah, like Chesterton, I love this Chesterton quote. He said, the revolutionary is almost always right about what is wrong, and almost always wrong about what is right. Isn't that a great insight? They have this thinker that was going to coordinate and unite all these factions, And he had a series that all the faction leaders were staying in Hong Kong. So he comes to Hong Kong and he's going to go house to house meeting with these leaders. Well, as you can imagine, the sitting government wasn't pleased with this. And it became a war in the street between the Chinese who were fighting for freedom from the monarchy and the monarchy's soldiers. And it was a running street battle involving a lot of guile, a lot of deception, but almost everyone who was there to get this thinker from A to B to C to D, almost every one of them died protecting him. In fact, I think they all did. But as we're watching these noble deaths, these sacrifices and this story of them, which just broke our hearts, this is what led to communism. And communism killed more Chinese than the Brits, the Japanese, and the Americans, and the Russians, and disease combined. Think about that. Everybody is so arrogant about communism. Oh, this time it'll work. Really? How many millions of dead? It just doesn't work. It doesn't take into account sin. It believes humans can be made right by a system. That's a side note. Sorry. What did the average Japanese citizen know? One, we're fighting to save Asia from white colonizers. B, we're fighting to protect China from communism. And they also knew, without a doubt, uh, that they are fighting as a master race. Didn't they use that language? Destined to lead Asia into a hopeful future. They also knew they were winning the war. They absolutely knew they were absolutely inflicting amazing losses on Chinese and American forces all over China and the Pacific. They knew this. <laughs> to, to assist them in knowing these things, the government had the media. Uh, without known exception, Japanese newspapers and radio were arms of the government, just like they are here in America. Well, they're less arms of the government here, they're arms of political parties. You and I have no idea what's actually going on in our country. We only know what we are deign what, what they deign to tell us, and they're only gonna tell us what fits in their worldview. Right, what fits in what they want to be true. Well, the same was true with China, Japan. Except there's no internet, there's no international news, there's no possibility for the average Japanese person of finding out what's actually true. And back then, no human culture had figured out yet how deceptive, manipulative, and lying most much of the media is. Right, it's it's an astounding thing. Japanese newspapers and radios were simply arms of the government, assuring every Japanese citizen, holy crap, we're winning this fight. Wow. Uh, our fearless, invincible men are driving the white man out. Uh, we are winning the war. They knew that the Japanese army was invincible. And they knew that these, this Japanese army was mowing down the enemy at every level. But there was also something the media didn't need to tell them because it had been drilled in their head since birth, right? They learned it at home. They learned it in school. And every facet of their daily life was permeated with this truth. The emperor is divine. He is a living God. He has called them to this fight and they will win with his help. The the divine emperor is worth dying for. And those who made that ultimate sacrifice, he would bless. Um, This is a big deal, what I'm telling you. Uh, um, And all of this forms the enemy that Americans are fighting. For all intents and purposes, this is the heart of the Pacific War. And the major factor, a major factor in the eventual decision to drop atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. We need to know this, right? Japan was a nation committed to fighting at the Emperor's side until the Americans sue for peace or until they were dead. All of them. Uh, American planes, when we started being able to fly over Japan, commented on how what was written on their roofs, roofs, right, which is 30 million one. What did they mean? We are one. All of us in Japan. You have to kill us all. And this wasn't a cute battle slogan or a manipulative uh, tactic. This was a fact. And we're going to hear some shocking examples of it. But this idea of, you have to kill us all. Okay. Um, You want a great example of it? Do you guys know the year? Now, Kara, I don't know. Can, are people listening live? Yeah. Okay, does anyone want to take a stab at what year? So World War II ended in uh, August of 1945. When did the last Japanese soldier surrender? Without Google. Does anyone know? Should I give them time to do, 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 do? No Google. How about December of 19... 19- 1974, 29 years after the end of the war is when the last Japanese Imperial Army uh, personnel surrendered. For almost 30 years after the war, people who lived in the Pacific Islands had to deal with Japanese soldiers still carrying out the war. Uh, Guam had 30-some deaths up to this guy's surrender in December of 1974. And why? Because the emperor didn't tell them to surrender. So they wouldn't. Um, And that guy, this will blow you away. If you want, look this cat up. This will blow you away. When they finally... Right. Got um, the emperor on a plane to come out. Right. Huge expense. But this guy's killing people. He's stealing stuff. Right. He's doing this. His rifle was in perfect working condition. He was fully rationed out. He was living off the land for twenty nine years. Um, That's what the Americans are up against. That's what the Australians are up against. That's what the people who live on these islands are up against, and almost without exception. We're going to read about a point when Japanese civilians, by the thousands in Saipan, commit suicide while standing in front of the U.S. Marines begging them, no, no, it's over. And they committed suicide rather than surrender. Children. Wives. Then men. Okay? This is an enemy who is different than anything we've encountered before. Um, their culture developed independent of every other culture in the world. Um. I was thinking about, is this the time, but I think I'll wait to get into some of the tactics that made the island hopping so impossible for us. I mean, it was possible. We we did it. Uh, Let me italicize this so I get back to it later. But I just, we have to understand, right? Like Nazis, when they were surrounded and when they were, okay, we can't win this, they surrendered. Americans, when they were surrounded and couldn't get out of it, they surrendered. Everybody did, except the Japanese. You don't surrender. And when you surrender, they don't know what to do with that. They've never dealt with that before. So we're going to take a look now at what was going on in the U.S. Okay? So, uh, and. Dad has told me many stories about this, right? Dad grew up in a rationing economy. Okay, what did that mean? And every American did. You got stamps that meant you could use this amount of gas. You could eat this amount of food each week. You use those stamps however you want. But you only get this amount of food every week. We put every single element of American industrialness, industriousness, industrial, whatever, behind this war. Like, Americans would die today if someone said, you can spend $8 a meal per person. And if you spend more than that, you can get arrested. We rationed. Uh, By the end of the war, 12 million American soldiers had joined or were drafted into the military. 12 million at a time when our population was about 130 million. Think about that. 10% of Americans. Is that 10% or 1%? I always screw that up. 10. 10. 10. Uh, Widespread rationing occurred. Families were given coupons to purchase sugar based on the size of their families. They could not buy more than the coupons allowed. Uh, And rationing covered goods like shoes, You were allowed one pair of shoes. Uh, It's just crazy. And you say, How did you police this? A, the people did it. (laughs) People were harder back then. People didn't have, you know, didn't buy a $1,300 phone and and text how hard their lives are. Uh, People didn't rack up crippling debt at 18. Uh, You know, it just was a different culture. Uh, There were tons of items that you just couldn't buy in America anymore. My favorite is this. Silk stockings were no longer available in America. They were replaced by this new thing that took over the whole country and we never went back. Nylon. Right? We started wearing nylon stockings. Ready for this? No automobiles were produced from February of 1943 until the end of the war. Why? Every car factory was converted, right? They were baptized and catechized and given envelopes. That's not true. Do you know that joke about the priests and the bats in their church? Do you know this one? So there's three clergy and they're talking and the Baptist minister says, man, we got terrible bats in our church. But you know what we did? We went out and we hired a company and they did all kinds of neat stuff. And we think it's actually got rid of the bats. And then the Anglican minister says, my gosh, that's crazy. We had a huge bat problem in our church, but it was just so bad. We, we, we tore down the old church and we built a new one and it got rid of the bats. The Catholic priest says, oh, you know, we had a ton of bats. So I just went up into the belfry where they all were, I baptized them, gave them envelopes, and I've never seen them since. Okay, it's a priest joke. Um, What were we talking about? Does anyone remember? I don't even know. Uh, Yeah, we stopped making cars. They were converted. That's it. The auto plants were all converted to make weapons of war. Um, And you can Google these images of tanks rolling off the line of Detroit and the guys working the line have painted messages on them for the Nazis and the Japanese. Yeah. Some lovely ones, as you can imagine. Hey, guys. Hi. Stuff like that. How's it going? Please don't. Please don't fight. Can't we all just get along? Wouldn't that be hilarious if someone wrote on there, can't we all just get along? Uh, no, that, you put that on a tank. Uh, women entered the workforce. Uh, to help make munitions and implements of war. These women were nicknamed Rosie the Riveters, and they were a huge part of our manufacturing success. Because if 10% of your population is fighting in a war, a huge chunk of them are the men you need home building. So women started building. Okay, how about how are we for time? Good. Oh, good. Okay. Well, that's in America. What about this? these people that are, say, I don't know, Japanese Americans? Right? Japanese, people of Japanese extraction who were born in the U.S. What about them? It was not good. It was not good at all. I remember when, um, and Sabine might be able to help me with this, when I was in college, one of my his- history profs, You know, he was taking attendance and he said, Yusuf Krupp, Krupp. And I said, well, it's Krupp. And he said, no, it's Krupp. He said, your family changed it. They changed the pronunciation right around World War II. And he said, all the Germans did. All the Germans in the U.S., everybody treated them like crap. So they changed, and only Germans would think this, that Krupp sounds less German than Krupp. Uh, which just cracks me up. But my mom's family, same thing. Even Eben Ebenho. Right? And sure enough, when I talked to Grandpa, uh, that's what he said. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he said, we got in a lot of fights those days. Nobody wanted German-speaking Americans in their neighborhood. Right? They called us Nazis. They called us Krauts. And granted, I mean, people called Dad a Kraut, but that was not a mean thing to call him by then. But back then... That was a mean thing. They called them Huns. Uh, all these different names. But n- being candid, the trouble for the Japanese people was, you can spot one. A guy can walk by you, 100% German, and you don't know. He could tell you, my name is Shane McCloth, you know, And you'll believe him. Uh, Japanese people, not so much. They're not just Asian looking, they're distinct Asian looking um, and things were tense and bad and got a bit worse when and I didn't know people didn't know this did you know a Japanese sub surfaced off of California and bombed did you know this yeah oh you guys did okay I was surprised I, I yeah we got bombed I mean it wasn't nobody got hurt but kind of classic West Coast we should panic yeah, and we should have laws. Yeah, that, there's something about West Coast Americans that just constantly need to pass laws, right? It's like, well, there was an earthquake and it rained. We need a law that, you know, what are you doing, dude? Sometimes random crap happens. You don't need a law, but anyway, God bless the West. They do make good food, and they have great weather and great athletes. Anyway... uh, The worst was Executive Order 9066 signed by Roosevelt in 1942 that ordered that all Japanese-Americans be moved to relocation camps. Um, Close to 120,000 Japanese-Americans in the West had to leave their homes. Their homes were confiscated. Their bank accounts were frozen and confiscated, and they were placed in relocation camps um, and guarded. Um, Most, a vast majority, were born here in the U.S. um, and did not know Japanese, like the language even. Um, Japanese parents, generally speaking were the opposite of German parents, right? German parents, Germans were always very reluctant to learn English. Like in the U.S., you may remember, I did that whole thing on how American Catholic bishops had to tell the German Catholics in the U.S., we will excommunicate you if you don't learn English, right? They just wouldn't do it. Um, The Japanese were the opposite. We're going to be good Americans, uh, so mom and dad might not speak good English, but you will, right? For, for dad, my dad was saying when his dad, the first time he heard English was when he went to school, which was in English, right? It's just that generation, the Germans had no interest in learning English. They didn't want to know English. In fact, there was even a, a kind of a slander or whatever that Germans would say about American Germans, would say about someone who left the German community, and it was literally, be careful of the English. right? And it was this idea that when you leave this nice little German community, you're going to run into English people, and they're awful. Watch your back. Isn't that funny? My grandpa told me about that. She just didn't trust English speakers. But here's the thing. These were fully Americanized Japanese-Americans who were being put in relocation camps with barbed wire all their their houses were confiscated their money was confiscated Uh, they were only allowed to go to the camps with what they could physically carry on their person and this was a horror were Germans put in these camps yes Italians Germans were put in these camps but again both groups would simply change the pronunciation of their name or they could hide within the population Japanese people stood out, right? Americans are big people physically, and the Japanese were not. Um, the U.S. has apologized, as you can imagine. I think uh, Reagan was the first, but don't quote me. Uh, Reagan signed the quote Civil Liberties Act, the to kind of well apologize and any living survivor of these relocation camps was given $20,000 as a kind of penance for their forced jailing uh george h w bush issued a formal apology um and i think he, oh and george bush junior um what do you do we did something awful we did something but we were terrified because this was the point in the war where we were getting our clocks cleaned and where word was starting to filter back. These cats are different. This isn't fighting Nazis. This isn't fighting, uh, Italians. This is fighting something totally different, something we weren't ready for. Um, um, Well, were there any Japanese-American soldiers? Yeah. Um, And not only this, but maybe this is a good place to stop. What time is it? Yeah, this will end us on a happy note, (coughs) kind of. Uh, To a shocking degree, amount, whatever you want to say, Japanese-Americans signed up for the war. America just wouldn't take them at first. Um, Japanese-Americans were, um, what do you say, hungry to fight for their country. America didn't want them. But nothing will convince you to take Japanese-American recruits like running out of Marines. Uh, And there were these, uh, they were called Nisi. It was a Japanese, it is a Japanese term for uh, a person born in America, well, we would say first generations, right? So, like, dad was first generation. He is the first people from Germany and his family born in the U.S., right? And the, that's this term. Um, so, these guys were American citizens who only knew life in America, and they might have spoke Japanese, they might not. The ones who didn't learn Japanese. Um, why? Well, now we have these things called translators. Um, and over 5,000 Japanese young men and women volunteered to serve the country, but were not allowed to have guns because you can't, quote, trust those people. So instead they translated. Um, the funny thing is the U.S. had to set up a special school in Minnesota. You ready for this? To teach them Japanese and to teach them Japanese customs and culture. Because, again, Japanese-Americans tended to be fanatics about enculturating, right? We are going to be Americans. We're going to be good Americans. Eventually, 3,700 Nisi graduates from the school served in the Pacific and saved an unbelievable amount of lives. Uh, Many Nisi also earned distinction in combat. 33,000 Japanese Americans served, which is a huge chunk of their population in the U.S. You could say every able-bodied male volunteered. Um, A small group served in China and in Burma, and they were known, these Japanese troops, Japanese Americans, as Merrill's Marauders. Um, this is the 5, uh, 5307th uh, Regiment. They served as spies, they eavesdropped, they translated enemy plans. And this is when Americans started to fall in love with them. Okay. Like, words started to get out about these very loyal. Very brave, very tough Japanese American soldiers, um, which led to the formation of two all Nisi regiments. Right? So, in World War II, there were two regiments comprised entirely of Japanese Americans. Uh, The first was the 100th Battalion, Infantry Battalion of Hawaii. Um, And those guys, now, so maybe break your heart a little. Um, well, we're gonna talk about race here, okay? So when I was doing my hospital internship in Detroit, I was at uh, the Veterans Hospital there, and almost all of my, what do you say, clients? I don't know what word to use, were black and they were Marines, all Detroit guys who were in the VA hospital, all World War II vets. And I said, did any of you join the army, right? Because they were all, they said, they want, what every one of them told me was the same basic idea, ready? They didn't want us killing white people. So they sent us to the Pacific. Um, And and one guy said this, they were really open about that. (laughs) We don't want black troops killing Nazis or Russians or Italians. But you can go kill the uh, Japanese people. Uh, One guy flat out told me when he signed up for the army, because his dad was in the army, they're like, no, you need to go to the Marines because the Marines are fighting yellow people. Uh, And it was tragically a bit of the same thing here. Where did we send this 100th regiment? To Italy. Um, And the combat they saw was so violent... And so brutal. So they weren't fighting Italians, of course. The Greeks took care of that. They were fighting Nazis. And they were fighting some of the best Nazis. Their battalion to this day is called the Purple Heart Battalion. Because of how many within it merited that award. So many of them killed or injured that they are, quote, the Purple Heart Battalion to this day. Uh, the 442nd Infantry Regiment was another one, but losses within both compelled them to be merged together. Uh, they included 1,500 volunteers who, get this, this is going to break your heart. They left the relocation camps to fight for us. Um, eventually, uh, they had about 10,000 men, uh, and they are ready the most decorated regiment in the history of American warfare to this day um, shocking valor sacrifice they just were desperate to prove we love our country and they proved it with their blood uh, they proved it with their sacrifice um, man man God bless those guys. Um, They were fighting for a country that was putting, that took all their stuff from them, their houses, their goods, and put them in relocation camps. And they were going, we want to fight for you. And if you look today, uh, Americans tend to have a deep respect for the Japanese. And they're probably, you could say, besides Britain, our most faithful, loyal ally. There was a lot of anti-Japanese stuff in the eighties and nineties in this country, but most of that was a, to me at least, appropriate reaction to globalism. Right? We were all sold a bag of goods. Yeah. Uh, the idea that, well, yeah, we can pay this guy a living wage in the U.S. and build a middle class. Right? Like my pa's generation right? Come out of the army, go work for GM building cars. We'll pay you a good salary and people will buy GM cars and we'll be, you know, right? The cycle continues. And then suddenly we decided, no, ship the jobs overseas, import cars from overseas, forgetting that no one has money to buy these things anymore, right? Globalism has its benefits and it has its curses. And a lot of the anti-Japanese sentiment of the 80s and 90s was all of a sudden America finding out you have to build the best cars. You can't just build cars. You have to build the best ones. Um, Yikes. Anyway, so the most decorated uh, military unit in the history of our country is this Japanese unit, the 442nd and the 100th. Uh, they combined for 18,000 awards in two years. 18,000. This is 10,000 men. Including 4,000 Purple Hearts and 4,000 Brown Stars. My God. Um, yeah. They came home maimed. Uh, but revered. Um even I'm trying to remember his name, there was a Japanese senator who lost an arm in the battle to take Monte Cassino in uh, Italy who was a senator, right, who was voted a senator. Um, At the start of the war, the Japanese Americans were treated with great hostility, uh, but their unbelievable service completely changed American attitudes. Um, So that's where we are. I think we'll call it here. Uh, and tomorrow, we're going to kind of get into the a little more of the blood and guts. Not that I'm going to describe blood and guts, but more. Now I'm going to walk us through island hopping. Okay, We now have a kind of naval security in the Pacific, sort of. But now we can get troops and supplies. And what we're going to find out is that no matter how ferocious the Japanese soldiers are, Nothing beats a dug-in U.S. Marine. And for the first time in this war, the Marines get to dig in. Um, And the results are a shocking amount of casualties. Um, Someone asked me yesterday uh, how big it's Japan in comparison to the U.S. If I remember right, picture it this way. If you pull Japan out of the ocean and put it next to the U.S., the northernmost island would in northernmost island is where Maine is. The southernmost island would be where Georgia is. It's not that big. It's not small, but it's certainly not very big um and i was asked about population then how was japan carrying out this war and i think maybe i'll start with that tomorrow can you help me too i was gonna today but i'm looking at the time and i should wrap up okay so if you can help me how did japan get all these people frankly if (laughs) you i don't know how else to say it better uh so i hope you found this helpful we're getting closer and closer now. We're, 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 we're kind of hitting the end of this section, and I hope uh, you are patient with me. Uh, well, I know you are, or you wouldn't be listening, I guess. Um, if you would, please pass the word, yeah, uh, to subscribe to our podcast, Joe and Black Ministries, on your favorite podcast provider. Uh, if you are a YouTube person, uh, please subscribe to our feed there. Uh, now, that name's a little different. It's Joe and Black Ministries. So it's spelled the same, but it's an emphasis on a different syllable. Emphasis. Um, come Holy Spirit. Uh, there was something. Oh, we got a question? No, I can't. Okay, let me take a look. Okay, let me get my glasses on. Okay. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. So let's make sure and pray for Bernadette and her family, especially Matt and Serena. Jesus bless them. They're taking some hits. Uh, um, okay. So tomorrow, I think we continue, right? Our guest canceled. We had a cool guest uh, that we thought was going to work, but they hate God and America, so they're not going to be here. I do have more than enough material for... Uh, couple more episodes without doing a ton more research. Uh but uh there we are. Okay. So I will see you beautiful people tomorrow. What oops Is is, is nine oh six day for the UP. 9 September 16th. Oh, is that the area code up there? The code okay. Is so is this our girl Nora? It is. I love Nora. Nora we love you check. Oh and you know what I want to say this too. Um I love the I feel so funny saying this and I'm sure you guys have heard all the jokes. I just love the streakers. In Ohio, yeah. uh, that's a family, not an activity. Uh, but just the other day, I was, I was, yes, I was feeling a little down, and I, and no particular reason, like nothing was wrong. I'm just, you know, and I got this pile of letters, and I'm like, you guys are just all of you, the things you write me, and I'm so sorry. I try hard to write everybody back. I know I'm way behind. Uh, but just, I love you guys, and I'm grateful for your encouragement and your support, all of you. Uh, my thugs and, and my non-thugs and the streakers and uh, Bernadette Lefay, Fay, uh, De La Fay, and uh, I don't know. Just so many of you write me beautiful things, and I don't deserve your kindness. Thank you. Uh, I feel uh, very blessed to be a part of this. Uh, I am back on Twitter. That happened. Um, And one of the things my goal is, is to do our show on there. Now, um, we hit, this is wild, what day, Saturday? Saturday. Okay, so Saturday, Sunday. So, do you know Twitter, we already have five, I got a thing from them, five million impressions. Uh, And I don't know what that means, except that if I get... Or wait, no, sorry. I'm sorry, I said it wrong. Two million impressions. At five million, we can get revenue. Nice. Which, you know, again, not the kind where I'm asking you for money. I I try not to do that. Well, I don't think I try. I don't. Do I? Do I ever ask for money? I don't think so. Anyway, uh, but if we can get, you know, companies giving us money. (laughs) Oh, I love what you do for me, Toyota. I have a feeling they wouldn't want me... uh, talking about this be like japan was a victim in world war II. can you imagine tomorrow's show start, brought you by toyota so the american aggressors you know be like all right father we know what's going on what was it i remember in seminary i met a guy from texas who referred to the civil war as the war of northern aggression <laughs> and he was serious i'm like no no bro y'all had slaves anyway it's not over it's never over all right salad pray In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Ah, Heavenly Father, racism is a bad thing. And um, for the way the Japanese government used racism, and for the way the American government used racism, forgive us. And Lord, help us never to resist talk about racism because there are scammers and hustlers of course there are it doesn't take away from the reality that judging people by the color of their skin is a sin and that one day by your gracious love we'll all be together in heaven men of every race and tongue tribe and land worshiping you not segregated or disunited but all together Because all of us together reflects the wild, wonderful diversity of you. And for the ways, Lord, that we've let the actions of some dictate our attitude about the whole, we're sorry for that. And for any ways we've been victims of that, heal us. Through this all... As we learn more and more about the war in the Pacific Help us grow our commitment to peace Heavenly Father, you know those people we love so much and worry about And you know all the circumstances in our lives that cause us to fret And we give all of it to you, Lord Because we love you and we trust you and may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Kung Fu is strong. I will see you, beautiful people, next tomorrow. Next tomorrow. I will see you, beautiful people, tomorrow. And until then, peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives peace, do I give peace?